What's up, everyone, and welcome to Roots of Humanity, a podcast that celebrates the beautiful people and culture of our world. My name is Drew Binsky. I'm a world traveler and content creator who has spent the past 12 years traveling to all 197 countries in the world. In today's episode, I will be speaking with my friend Alvaro Rojas, who is a fellow Every Country member from Spain. He runs a popular Instagram and has his own company providing group tours to insane countries like South Sudan and Somalia. Traveling is the best way to break the prejudice, the stereotypes that we have. Alvaro and I have been on some crazy adventures together, like a West African road trip. But in today's podcast, we will be sharing our love and appreciation for Spain. Thanks for tuning in and let's get into it. I should note that Alvaro is pretty sarcastic, so a lot of things that come out of this. Very, very sarcastic, guys. We know each other for, for a while now, many years. We traveled together to, through Spain, uh, West Africa. That, was, that really, really bonded us. <laughs> Traveling, crossing borders in West Africa will bond you to someone really closely. And then we were in Iraq together, so yeah, we, we always messing around. And technically, we were in Afghanistan on the same day, but I left and then you Technically. Oh, you can count that. Yeah. We were in the same city. You didn't want to meet me. True. Because you were busy <laughs> grinding something. I was like leaving when you were coming in. It was too hard. First of all, have you ever done a, a that little blood test? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done the DNA test, the her my heritage one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does it you say? want to know the results? Yeah, go it ahead. It says 85% Iberian. And then I had 4% Ashkenazi Jew, which is surprising because I would have said Sephardic, not Ashkenazi. But Sephardic, it was more in the Iberian Peninsula. So I don't know how they got there, but Ashkenazi Jew. And then I have 5% Northern African. So obviously. Down the street. Uh, of course, down the street. And the Moors were 800 years in Spain. So it's, yeah. it just surprises not more than 5%. Right. Uh, because everywhere I go in Northern Africa or Middle East, you know, you've been there with me. People think I'm local. So only 5% seems you too few. You blend in. And, okay, I'm looking at the map behind you. So yeah. I can, I can, anywhere in the Americas, you blend in. Anywhere in the Americas. Anywhere there. Anywhere, yeah. in, anywhere north of the Sahara or north, you blend in. All of Europe, you blend in. I think it cuts off. or Like Afghanistan, you definitely blend in. I think it cuts off yeah. at Pakistan. Pakistan, yeah. you don't blend in. Maybe you blend in. There's areas of Pakistan in the north yeah. uh, you see really yes. like white Caucasian, yes. uh, blonde, clear eyes. So True. it could be, could be even Pakistan. India and north of India, west, uh, sorry, east. You don't, you don't blend in. So, <laughs> so anyways, um, that's cool, dude. So Iberian, for people who don't know, Iberia is the whole peninsula of Portugal, present-day Portugal and Spain, right? Yeah. And there's yeah. some crazy yeah. history that have happened throughout that land. Have you, are you familiar with like your grandparents and great grandparents? Are they all from Madrid or do you know where they come from? So in Madrid is a very, very famous word for it. Uh, it's called cat. You called someone gato or cat uh, that has had four grandparents born in Madrid. And I don't know anyone that has this, mm -hmm. you know, requirement. So it's very, very rare. Most of the people that live in Madrid, their parents came and wow. immigrated from different uh, provinces in Spain or even their grandparents immigrated here. So my, my grandparents, I know they're, uh, two of them are from Avila, which is two hours away in Castilla and two of them from uh, uh, Toledo. So Castilla-La Mancha, also two hours south of Madrid, one hour south of Madrid. So uh, it's around the area of the center of Spain, but yeah, it's not, it's not part of Madrid. So you're full on Spanish through and throughout, like pride, glory. I don't know about pride. You know, like you, 
you, you understand this. Like I, I, we've been everywhere and I feel a lot like a citizen of the world. So yeah, of course I feel pride to be Spanish, but I think nationalisms in the end are just, you know, a, a fiction. We create borders, we create national identities just to separate from each other, each other, no, from one another. So sometimes it's just a very funny concept. Like what is Iberia? You were saying before very accurately, Iberia used to be a Roman province and now yeah. it's two different countries. Like, a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago, if you spoke to the people there, they would told you, "Yeah, I feel Roman," and now we all feel Spanish. So those things evolve, but the human condition is always usually the same, right? To someone who's never been to Spain, maybe an American or a Brazilian, who like really wants to go there, and they only have a week of time, how would you tell them to spend that week? Well, that's a great question, man. That is a great question. I'm gonna I'm gonna propose like a bold answer. I think most people would say go to Barcelona. That's the you know, the popular answer that that's the, the biggest, you know, city or highlight in Spain for most people because they see it in movies. It had the Olympics and it got a lot of populations and popularity since then. But I would I would I would suggest go to the south. Uh, south is amazing. It, it's influenced by the Moorish culture. We we're saying before the northern northern African culture that invaded and stayed in Spain or the peninsula for eight centuries. So you will go to Granada. We've been there together. You know how beautiful it is. There's a mix of Arabic influence. There's a mix of, you know, Berber. There's a little bit of everything architecturally. And, you know, the, the, the music is also influenced by it. La guitarra, flamenca. Uh, just the food. I think I think you and I share that in common. I think we like you know the blend of cultures, the mix, going to a place and recognizing other identities from other parts of the world. And I think it's just a very special, unique thing. You go to Spain and you don't expect to feel those vibes. You're in, you're in Europe, yeah. and and it feels like a European country. But then you see all these influences, maybe from um, Middle East or the Northern Africa. So yeah. I think it's a very interesting place. Dude. Southern Spain is is such a wild, like unexpected. I mean, you have that incredible mosque. Is it in Cordoba, right? Exactly. You love that one. I think it's dude. Beautiful. That mosque. I just like. I'm just imagining walking through there, and it's like unbelievable. The the textures and the designs, and then you have what's that place that we didn't get to visit on the hill? It's like that old famous. It's like wonder of the world. Alhambra. Yeah, it's not yeah. a wonder. But... It used to be. Yeah, it got finalists. Yeah, yeah. What is that for people that don't know? It's a palace. It's like a fortress built by the sheikh, the Khalifa that ruled Granada. Granada was a kingdom for many centuries back in you know from the thousand to fifteen hundred. Uh, it was a, its own independent kingdom. It ruled all over the south of Spain. And it had uh, like a caliph, like the ones you see in the Middle East, because it was uh, it was an empire that started in Syria and Damascus that got into the peninsula in the 8th century. And they invaded the whole peninsula, except a little bit tiny part of the north in only seven years. So very, very fast. And so they stayed there. They, they created cities, their own culture, and of course, a lot of palaces. And this one in particular, you're mentioning Alhambra in Granada is like a world wonder. And it still is a beautiful, beautiful testimony of our heritage, which is a shared heritage, of course. I think this is the beauty. I really like when, when cultures mix because yeah. I see it as my own culture. They were here for 800 years. I don't see it like a foreigner that invaded. Yeah. No, I just see something that adds to my own culture. And I can see how proud you are talking about it, which is exactly why this concept of this this podcast makes me happy because we're talking about yeah. what it means to you to be Spanish. That's like super cool. You know, coming as an American, it's like, obviously we have history that goes back 10, 20, 30,000 years, but 
only the recorded and i'm doing um what's it called these quotations for people who are just quotation the, the recorded history really goes back you know 250 to 280 years and it's like so new and the concept of having these 2000 year old castles and you know amazing pl places doesn't even exist to me so that's really cool and, and I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that and i want to make a note on southern spain you have that like is it is moorish moorish is not Moroccan. yeah, yeah. It, like the no like some people came from morocco others came from syria but yeah, yeah. so moorish is the northern northern african uh yeah. peoples that it's so cool it like in morocco you have these like really like geometrical looking square you know shapes and designs and colors on the buildings and you see that in granada and in other parts of southern spain and and you can just cross, I mean, you can really go down to Sevilla, like two hours south, cross a boat in like, what, an hour and you're in Morocco? Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, depending on which ferry you take, you can go to Morocco, you could go to Ceuta, which is a city in Spain, a Spanish city within the African continent. So that is something very unique, a very unique trip. You, you don't need a passport for that. You just pay five euro, you hop on a ferry and you're in Africa whilst still being in Spain. So uh, and, and being in Ceuta, you will see a very, even more, of course, the influence is, it's, is very dominant because it's right next door to, to uh, Morocco. And, and a lot of the population is Moroccan, of Moroccan heritage. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very interesting mix and blend of cultures. And I think in Spain, just to put Spain in one liner, I, I would say it's a very diverse country. So you go to the north and you see something very green, like Switzerland. The food is very different. It changes in every region. And the south, it's just completely different. It's a whitewashed towns. You've seen the little villages hit by the sun. And, yeah. and you know, it's just a very completely different country altogether. If you go to the islands, if you go to Barcelona, if you go to the center, the center of Madrid, we went to some medieval-like cities like Toledo, uh, the windmills. So everything feels a little bit more, you know, um, uh, medieval, maybe. Let's talk about the cuisine. Paella is the first thing that comes to mind. What are your favorite things to eat in Spain? I'm a little bit offended that the first thing that comes to your mind is paella. After showing you the best jamón that you can try in the world, you know, I think jamón ibérico, you know, ibérico ham is, it's, it's like a delight. It's, it's a delicacy. And it's, if you're asking a Spaniard, what is something they're really proud of? I think it's uh, our a very diverse gastronomy, but specifically the jamón is something that we all love. And you don't, I don't get, you, unless you import it, you don't get to try it anywhere else. It's a little bit like caviar or trying some of these delicacies yeah. that you find in other countries. Olives too, man. I gotta love those olives. <laughs> Just anything, olives, olive oil. We're the biggest tapas. exporter of olive oil. You know, tapas, of course, but tapas is really, it's, it's really nothing. It's just little, uh, dishes little treats that have now adapted i guess you call tapas all these restaurants are they're coming up in in you know in many yeah. cities around the world it's just spanish gastronomy brought to you in small little dishes i know and in very creative ways of just mixing our local products uh yeah. in, in easy edible bites no it's frustrating that people say oh i love tapas like i just said because that literally just means i like eating small plates of food exactly so a tapa is the lid and that's how we became in spain many bars you went for a drink and there were a lot of flies everywhere so they put a lid on your beer so they, the flies wouldn't get in and try to drink from your beer and so they they had a plate so they just put some food on it because might as well right but the food was just something they had prepared maybe some you know olives or something simple 
And now it's evolved to creating little dishes. It's more the concept of the food that has evolved and it's been exported. But for us, a tapa, I don't really understand. Like I had tapas last night. I know what, what the concept of your meal was, but I don't know what you ate because it could be anything. Alvaro, tell me what is your most favorite and least favorite part about being Spanish and traveling around the world? I think the, my favorite thing has to be, you know, having a common language with many, many other nationalities across the globe. And as a traveler, you've experienced this, you know, the pleasure that you get from fully understanding, or at least 90% of the understanding uh, when you're speaking to a local, uh, that, is, that is incredible. And, and, and sharing that common tongue, uh, it just creates that deep rooted level of connection and bond with, with your experience and the people you're meeting in your travels that it's unparalleled. So for me, that is for sure having that Spanish language as a common denominator between all these countries. That is what fills me with the most pride. And I think what I'm less proud of maybe for, for, for being Spanish would be we are very politicized. Everyone's really, really on one side or the other. I feel like that could be the case now in the world right now. We're all very polarized. But in Spain, especially, it's one of those countries where it's either you're with me or you're against me. So all these words of like, what is a nation? Uh, being an independentist or, you know, pro-Spain, anti, you know, it's just very, very exhausting as a Spaniard. I'm tired of the conversation. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I really just want to get on with it. Like life doesn't really matter. And these things in life don't really matter. We were saying before, uh, borders are just very fictional and, and they change very rapidly. So wasting time in, in this in these kind of discussions, really for me, it's just a shame. Kind of a, an offshoot question on that. How would you explain the rivalries among Spanish people? Because I know with like Barcelona and Catalonia, but people from Madrid, I know the, the football rivalries are real, but talk about how people within Spain feel against each other. Oh yeah, there's many, there's many. Um, the one that of course, I guess is more common for most people, foreigners to, to know or to understand is, is like you said, there's the football rivalry between Madrid and Barcelona. They're the two biggest teams in the world. The, 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 the ones with more fans, the ones with, you know, the, the biggest budgets. And, and so this creates a sports rivalry. But it's also, it's transcended that into, uh, you know, like more into the society of like the two biggest cities in Spain. So that also comes into play. It's a little bit like New York and L.A., so it's a mix of everything in one, you know, steam pot, and it's just the cocktail for disaster. It also roots a little bit in the in the last years, latest few years. It's, it's rooted with you know political debates. There's half of Catalonia, the region of Catalonia where Barcelona is from, uh, is in. Sorry, uh, they want to get independence from Spain. Half of them want independence. Half of them don't. So it's also been a little. Uh, political debate been spilled in this arena of like should be just football no so everything in spain is it's just very you know you know us warm-blooded passionate and you know everything is everywhere we're just not a rational people they can separate one topic or another yeah. okay this is football this is you know uh daily life or this is right. politics everything is put together in one big combo and of course there's all kinds of divisions in the country, uh, left and right. I guess this is more common yeah. in every other country, but in Spain, it's very, very clear. There's two sides. 
and they do not get along. They never have compromises. They never sit with each other. They never make understandings uh, or agreements. So I think it's a very, you know, polarized society when it comes to politics. Something I personally love about Spain, and you're, you're a great representation of this, is that it's the most open culture, open-minded, <laughs> like nudity. Like, no, like people don't care about nudity in Spain. Like there are nude beaches, you walk around naked and like for you, it's just not a big deal. Whereas there's a lot of countries that are really conservative, a lot, you know, maybe half Many. of countries. The U.S. could be one, like depending the US, on which state. The U.S. could be one. Yeah. yeah, definitely like Eastern Asia, like they wouldn't be cool with that. Most parts of Africa, I mean, Latin, Latin American countries can also be pretty open, like Colombia, Venezuela. What I'm trying to get at is that there's not too many places in the world that are just so accepting and so cool with um, openness. And so talk about that from being a Spanish person. Like maybe why, why is that the case and how does it make you feel? This is a, this is a great point. Um, I think it's also comes as a, a surprise. Like many people think Spain is this very conservative Catholic country because of the Inquisition, because of our past and our ties with the Catholic church. And although it's true that mostly people are culturally Catholic, like you said, the society, I would deem it as very, very open-minded. And we were one of the first countries to uh, legalize same-sex marriage. A lot of advanced legislation also in our, in our laws. So it's not just like we, we talk the talk, we also do the walk. So, and, and I think, uh, like you said, very open-minded. Generally speaking, Mediterranean cultures are very welcoming, warm-blooded, and open in, in that sense of, you know, hosting someone, being friendly and you know, open, you know. You need touch. Yeah, touchy, touchy, exact, exactly, touchy. You need touch. So we, yeah, this is, and I'm going to make a really bad joke. I guess it's been two years, so I can make it now. But like with Corona, Italy and Spain were the two first European countries that were badly hit by, by COVID. Why? Because we all live together. We touch each other a lot. We hug each other. And at the beginning, that change of mindset and culture was very, very hard for us. When suddenly people told us that we need to stay home, we couldn't be close to one another. We couldn't hug each other. We couldn't kiss each other when we met. You've been here. Like we, like with a friend, we would just kiss each other, hug each other. It is normal. And of course, with the family, it's, it's the most normal thing. So it was a big, big culture shock suddenly being told, you need to stay home, don't do this, don't do that. Um, so as you know, we're very open, very touchy, very feely. And I would, I would say Spanish people are very, we communicate a lot. We're very open in, in things. We don't keep things to ourselves and we always try to you know, make it known. Like I feel bad, I will tell you I feel bad. And this is why I feel bad. Of course, there's all kinds of personalities, but this is the, the general idea of what the culture is more or less like. Absolutely, man. And, and that's that's how I can tell when I meet a Spanish person around the world or when I see them. I, they have this like certain kind of mannerisms or this certain personality. Yeah. Um, exactly yeah. like you, man. It's just like, it's 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 cool. It, it, you are Spanish. Yeah. That is what it is, man. And I want to make another note about football or to all my Americans watching. We're talking about soccer. Um, when I travel with you, it's I'm really jealous that you can instantly, with a snap of a finger, put a smile on someone's face and change any kind of negative perspective. Like when we were in Iraq and we were we were on these all these checkpoints and we actually went inside of these police like little 
tents, you know, on the side of the road. And like, it's very intimidating to give them your passport. The second they see Spain, they open up and they talk about soccer and, and all their favorite players. That must make you feel really, really good. I want to go back and change my answer to your previous question. What makes you more like happy to be Spanish? It's probably that because you've been there and all these, like you said, tense situations where people are like, you know, this might go either way. Like these guys can get really mad at us and just put us away or, you know, and then they see the passport, they see Spain. And I feel like people know Spain. It's a good, well-known enough country. Yeah. And, and it's, it's known for the good reasons. It's not really known for any bad reasons. So people kind of like sympathize with Spain or just, you know, feel like it's a friendly country for most nations. And most people know it for football, for soccer. So either through the World Cup or through, through Real Madrid, through Barcelona, through the national individual and from the team from our league, people have followed us through there and, and they're getting a lot of that you know passion of following and you've seen it firsthand how you're in the middle east or you're in africa in many countries and or in even latin america and people will feel those clubs as their own they are their own clubs yeah. and the rival the rivalry in morocco or the rivalry in iraq is as fierce as it is in spain or even more People, you know, between friends, one supports Barcelona, the other supports Madrid, and they just, you know, full on get, you know, rage on each other when they play because it's something really, really uh, passionate for everybody. That's one thing that most Americans can't relate to is like the, the, the soccer thing. I mean, we we're very sports, sports driven. We're all you love it. Yeah. A lot of us are athletes and we're like super into sports. I grew up like all sports, but my sports to me were ice hockey golf uh baseball which are three sports that like almost don't exist sorry golf is very popular in spain but ice hockey no for sure no um baseball definitely no so those are just different sports but the thing yeah, is no i mean baseball you can share baseball with maybe japan dominican yeah. republic cuba Latin venezuela but it's yeah. only a handful of countries and yeah. then the same goes for ice hockey right and of course american football it's just for you guys so it's a shame you can't really export that you can't really uh you know feel that connection when you're traveling and meeting other cultures and 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 people as with uh football with soccer with soccer i've been in yemen in in shibam you know the yeah, great shibam, skyscrapers yeah, in the middle of shibam it's a one of my favorite world wonders yeah and i was i was there just in front of it people kids are playing football you just join the pickup oh, yeah. game and you score a goal and, and, you know, you see the excitement and where you're from, you know, it's always a great icebreaker. It's, it's something that everybody loves and you can see it in almost every country. I want to bring up a funny story. When we were in Guinea-Bissau, uh, which is in Guinea -Bissau, oh. he sees a bunch of like, I don't know, 18 year olds playing football. And Alvaro's like, yeah, I'll join them. And you, it was so humid outside. You must have run for maybe 10 to 15 minutes max. And you were like, this close to passing out <laughs> remember that dude you were covered in sweat it was horrible it was like, horrible. I'm 31 actually <laughs> it's the story it's the story of my book for guinea bissau uh i wrote a story for every country and that's the story for guinea bissau because i almost passed out i almost died i almost died out of the exhaustion because i didn't i didn't measure i was just sprinting like with those 18 or 15 year old kids and i was 31 it's not that I'm old, but I definitely wasn't fit enough to just play every day. Yeah. And I just sprinted like crazy. 
And like you said, it was super humid. It, it almost cost me, man, dearly. <laughs> As travelers, we realize how diverse the world is becoming. And it's almost like a lot of indigenous cultures are, are lost. I mean, the Caribbean is a good example. We had, they had the um, Tainos, which are which really indigenous. And now it's like a mixture of West African and Latino and, and you know, European. Yeah. Do you think it's a good or a bad thing? Or how, how does it make you feel that like, let's go, let's fast forward 20,000 years from now. There's going to be very, very, very few places left in the world, very few, that have the same physical features, that are eating the same food. Because I'm an example, you know, Deanna is from the Philippines. When we have kids, we're going to have half Filipino kids, half American kids, half Jewish kids, half Catholic kids. Essentially, essentially, you're saying that you're not going to be able to tell, tell where somewhere is from. We, we are slowly losing or rapidly losing... I, cultural identity and that's why I, I think it's great to preserve it as best as we can I, I could argue that it's a beautiful thing that we're all being interconnected that it's a really you know coexistence of the world and we're all kind of part Jewish part Muslim part Catholic but I do think it's also really important to keep these traditions when you go to a remote part of Indonesia you want to be able to experience that really um, local feel so in 20,000 years from now what do you think the world's going to look like and do you think it'll be a good or a bad thing that's a great question. Twenty, let's let's hope there's a world to still live in because the, I don't think it's 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 that easy uh, with climate change and everything. I don't I don't think it, it, we can just give it for granted. We're going to be here in twenty thousand years. Hopefully, we will. And I I really hope that we we manage to find a way to live sustainably that we don't overpopulate the world like we are right now and over consume all the resources like we're doing right now but let's let's say let's play along and say that we managed to do that and and we tackle that huge problem in terms of culture i think it's a double-edged sword again like globalization is great because it enables interconnection between different cultures and it tends bridges uh, it creates like something we always say in both of our channels uh, we try to debunk all these prejudicial ideas of a nation and a country and a culture. So I think globalization helps with this because there's social media, there's information, access through internet for, for everyone in the, across the world to you know learn or see what there is out there and just learn, even though they, they can't travel, it enables everybody to be connected. So that's a great thing, have that freedom, have that ability for many cultures that don't usually they don't have the privilege to travel with a strong passport or don't have the resources to do it. But I also, of course, like you said before, and very, very accurately, I'm a little bit worried because I'm a lover of cultures and peoples and different traditions. And I feel like if we're heavily connected and everyone's, you know, drinking from the same source of, of culture, whatever that is, maybe Hollywood has a big effect or, you know, Western media, of course, has a big, big drive. Maybe say there's only two sources of culture in the future, no? I, I would feel sorry, man, because in the end, the, we all have these differences and nuances to our human condition, and they're beautiful. And we need to preserve them, different languages. I love speaking English, but I think we should preserve other languages that are not so widely spoken. So we can use English, Spanish, and whatever languages as main uh, conductors of global communication, but then we need to preserve the ones that are not so widely spoken so that people in the future still enjoy that heritage and you know that history that we all share and we all have. Uh, so I think it's like you said, it's it's a it's a very hard balance uh, that we need to learn to do. And yeah, giving that option of being 
everywhere you go, have that freedom to move, roam, connect, discover, but also preserve our local identity. That's why, I don't know, you go to places like uh, Saudi Arabia or the UAE, you've been there many times, you know, well, not Saudi Arabia. You have to visit Saudi. That's my last country. country. Ah. Are you rubbing it in? But you've been, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, you probably will have visited by the time this is launched. But if you go to the UAE, for example, it's a country that you know has been modernized at a really rapid rate. It's, it's the biggest ex, ex, example of globalization in the recent decades. But it still has a lot of that heritage. You still see a lot of you know locals wearing uh, their... Uh, traditional gowns when they go out in town, when they go to the big malls. So there's a little bit, a nice mix of that globalization. You buy, you go to, a, you know, a Chanel store to buy a very yeah. expensive purse, but you do it in your local gowns and everyone is really proud of that identity and they love their food and they, they go to McDonald's one night, but the next night they have, you know, their yeah. feast, local feast. And, you know, so I think it's very important to keep that balance. And, and one day you wear the casual, casual jeans and the other day you wear, you know, whatever feels more homey and having that freedom, of course, but also fostering it, trying to do the effort to preserve that tradition and that, you know, identity. One final question for you. And this is a question sure. that I ask everybody that I interview. If you could give okay. one message to everyone listening in the world, what would be that message? I'm not going to jump on your wagon, but I really like your message of just go. The two words, your two favorite words. I, I really, I really love it. And I, I would just encourage them to travel more. Traveling is the best way to break the prejudice, the stereotypes that we have. And don't listen so much to what people are saying. Don't listen to what I'm saying, what you are saying. Just go and look for yourself and make your own ideas and impressions of the world. And just to know that, you know, for those that are a little bit fearful at first, just jumping in the travel world, just know that 99% of the world is good and that we're all in the deep rooted level. We're all essentially the same. So we all share the same desires, goals, fears, we're all human in the end. And so for me, it's my favorite thing to do. Just get out there and explore and meet strangers and, and, and discover new things. And just mind, blow my mind every time with uh, how, how identical in a deep level we all are. Amazing, man. Wonderful answers. Thank you so much. Avaro Rojas, how can people find you? Where can they find you on social media? Talk about your book real quick. You can find me in Wanderettes and on Instagram or just Google Alvaro Rojas. You can read my stories from every country in the world on Wanderettes.com. My book is over there. And you can even travel with us on Wander Expeditions, my travel agency. So we will take you to a few of these beautiful destinations across the world, really unique, that will break and shatter the stereotypes that you currently probably have. Yeah, Alvaro launched Wander Expeditions, which is essentially group trips, but they don't go to France or Italy. They go to Syria or uh, I was going to say Afghanistan, but I just bit my tongue, unfortunately. We went we went to Afghanistan. Yeah, We're yeah. no longer going to Afghanistan, but we do, yeah. you know. Yeah, you Libya, know, South usually Sudan. countries that have been misrepresented by the media, yeah. Venezuela, yeah. Uh, Syria. We're probably going to Iran when it opens. Amazing. Uh, we have so many destinations on the list, so just... Hit us up, Wonder Expedition, 
and on yeah. Instagram and just stay tuned for the trips because they're really, really nice. Yeah, and I can vouch that traveling with you is pretty awesome. So if anyone's interested to go to some off the beaten path, magnificent places and check out Wander Expedition. So thanks a lot, dude, for your time. Appreciate it. And uh, it was a pleasure. Take care, bro. See you soon. Hopefully I get a visa, US visa and get to visit soon, man. I Inshallah. really want this. I really miss the beautiful state of Arizona. Inshallah, bro. Take it easy. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast episode. If you feel inspired by this conversation, please share it with somebody who would enjoy listening. And if you're here for the first time, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to leave a review. Every week, I'm going to be looking through them and highlighting my favorite one. And with that all being said, I will see you guys next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.